Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. So as you can see, tonight's message is entitled Beautiful Messengers. I will be teaching from the NLT tonight. And so just want to tell you guys, I absolutely love the Bible. I believe every word of the Bible is true, that it was written by the creator of the universe, that it is a love letter to us, that we can have confidence in it. And here's the thing, guys. The Bible is the only consistent thing amidst all life inconsistencies. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it cuts through all the nonsense of this world, guys. Why? Well, because we know that in Hebrews 4.12, it says the Word of God is alive, It's active, it's living, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces in the division of joint and marrow and soul and spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I made a commitment to Jesus on May 25th, 2011, after 18 years of drug and alcohol abuse. A destroyed marriage, Uh, I lost my children, all my relationships, every possession that I had. I literally was a homeless man when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. All I had was the clothes on my back. That's it. But the incredible thing about that is God knows exactly what it takes to break every one of us. And though I had nothing, I had complete availability to him. And and there was something that was really sweet about that. And here's what's incredible. There is immediate deliverance when I accepted the Lord. Immediate deliverance and a transformation had begun. I had become a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things had become new, like it teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The kicker is, I didn't even know that verse existed when I accepted Jesus. I had zero Bible knowledge, none. But the credible thing was, like, all of a sudden, I had this burning desire to want to know about Jesus. And not just to know about him and to study the word, but I wanted to understand. Because I set off on my journey of studying God's word, which I've been studying now for almost 11 years. And I was actually saved in a Christian rehab facility. And there was a lot of structure There was a lot of discipline, which I absolutely needed because I was out in the world running amok. And I just remember when I began studying the Word that I didn't get it. And I had had this desire, and I'm like, I would read, and I'm like, Lord, I don't don't get it. And I started in John because that's what I was told to do, and I didn't know. I'm like, okay, open it up, find it, start reading, and I just didn't get it. So I would literally earnestly just be like, Lord, will you please help me understand this? Because from the very beginning, I just knew that that, this, this, this was more than a book. I just knew that there was something different about it. And little by little, understanding came. And then as I began studying, I came across these verses in Psalm 119, verses 18 and 19 that say this. 
Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I began to pray these verses before I read every single time. Lord, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your commands. And here's what was happening. As understanding came, guess what else came? The conviction to obey. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from A.W. Tozer. He says this, and I quote, The word of God well understood and properly obeyed, religiously obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not exclude a few favorite passages for others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. End quote. You see, the Bible, believers, Christians, is an eternally strategic battle plan. That's what it is. But it will stay a battle plan if you leave it on the page. But if you put this eternally strategic battle plan into action, it becomes an enemy-crushing, people-rescuing, life-transforming, love-spreading, grace-multiplying adventure with the most incredible family on the planet, the family of God. Amen? So we must read the Word, but we have to obey the Word. And I say that because I hope to push all of us into our uncomfort zones tonight. Because growth comes in uncomfort. Nothing grows at 14,000 feet, y'all, okay? Y'all look at the mountains, and you see what's called the timber line, and then it's just rocks above that because nothing grows up there. Now, mountaintop experiences are fantastic for moments of inspiration, for moments of rest and reflection, for vision, but they are not designed for growth. You know where growth comes? In the demon-possessed valleys of life. That's where growth comes. But you know who's there? The good shepherd guiding us, protecting us, leading us, loving on us. And here's what's really awesome. To aid in obedience, God has given us spiritual giftings, right? And if you've been attending this church for any period of time, you know that Pastor Ed has done a phenomenal job teaching us about being servants and finding out what our giftings are. So for us as born-again believers, we use these giftings to serve the church as well as to serve a broken and dying world. So one of those spiritual gifts is the gift of evangelism, okay? This is something that I am very passionate about. I know where I came from for 30 years apart from the Lord. I know what I did. I know the darknesses that I've seen. So I'm very passionate about telling people about the love of the Lord. I have an urgency inside of me that I believe is a direct gift from the Lord. Now, the gift of evangelism has two functions, okay? It is designed to equip the church to develop the spiritual discipline of spreading the good news, something that I hope to do with all of us tonight. The other thing is, number two, is to actually go out and spread the good news. We got to get busy for Jesus Christ, especially now. And y'all, don't be afraid. Now, most of the time when we hear the gift of evangelism... We think, well, I ain't got that gifting. I'm off the hook. I'll just stick to fill in the blank of whatever gifting you have, and I'm good. But you Bible, studies, Bible students know that that's not true. We're not off the hook when it comes to evangelism. 
And here's the thing about spiritual gifts, guys. Spiritual gifts are not a possession. Spiritual gifts are something that is given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, which means that you can have any gifting at any time, depending on any situation, if you're maintaining sensitivity to him and his leading and you're being obedient. It's an incredible thing, because guess who the Holy Spirit is? God. And guess what? He has all the giftings. Guess what's inside of you? The Holy Spirit. So guess what? You have all the giftings. It's pretty incredible. Now, we have giftings that are more prominent than others. I am exercising the gift of teaching, right? I mean, my wife, she has like the most incredible gift of service I've ever seen in my whole life. And so, yes, we have prominent giftings, but at the same time, the Lord can come out. Any gifting can come out at any time. We just have to be sensitive to his leading. So we're not off the hook if we don't have the gift of evangelism, and this world sure does need it right now to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want to show you two places where we are called to spread the good news apart from the spiritual gifting, okay? So Jesus gave us the Great Commission, right? I want you all to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Remember, the Bible is an eternally strategic battle plan, but it will only remain a plan if it stays on the page. We have to put it into action through obedience. So, in Matthew chapter 28, I'm sure you Bible students know where we're going. We're going to read the end of the chapter, verses 18 through 20. And it says this, which is the great commission. The 11 disciples, oh, sorry, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's focus on what it says in verse 19. Make disciples of all nations. A disciple is one who follows the precepts and instructions of the Lord. A disciple is one who has heard the good news, believed the good news, is obedient to the good news, and spreads the good news. Oswald Chambers, from my favorite Bible teacher, said this, and I quote, being a disciple means deliberately identifying yourself with God's interests in other people, end quote. We are to be others-focused because God's interest in other people is that all would repent and none would be destroyed, 2 Peter 3.9. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go to them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the good news that the God of Israel reigns. That's Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Some of my favorite verses. We are the ones who are sent. We are the ones to deliver the message so that the world can hear, so that the world can believe. We are God's beautiful messengers. So every time we leave this building, every time we leave our homes, we're entering a mission field, and we need to go to work. We need to work at telling others the good news. And you know what I love about what I just said? I didn't make that up. That's in the Bible. 
This leads me to the second place where we're called to spread the good news and where we will finish up our time tonight. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We are going to read and then look at verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Verses 3 and 4, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given to you. Now, see, I love verses that give me a list. There's simplicity in it, right? And so I like checking boxes. I got to be careful because sometimes I can get too accustomed to doing box checking and can miss the people that God has in my influence, right? But I love verses that give me lists. And so my nature, my natural tendency is to make things complicated. Lists keep things simple for me. And so I love lists. And I just want to encourage you guys, the Bible's not complicated, okay? Now, some things can be hard or difficult to understand, but it's not complicated. I love what Pastor Ed always says. He says, don't focus on the verses you don't understand. Focus on the ones you do. And I just love that. So let's dig into these verses. Verse 1. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. So Paul has now spent the first three chapters of this letter encouraging Timothy about his steadfast steadfast faith, to not be ashamed of the gospel, to be loyal to the faith, to be strong in grace, to have discernment with people. And he's warning him about end times and evil men that are trying to infiltrate the church. He finishes this letter with these capstone verses. And what he's doing here when he says, I solemnly urge you is he has this heart of urgency and reverence before God and the Father. And we, as believers, would do well to remember that we're always in the presence of our God and King. And I think that's something that we tend to forget about when we're on the day-to-day, when we're in work mode and task mode and making dinner mode and cleaning up mode and all of those things, that we have to remember we're always in the presence of our God and King. And that someday, when judgment comes, what do we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I really want to hear that. That I did what he wanted me to do faithfully while I was here. That I am an others-focused man that has selflessness and sacrificial love for people. And I really, really have that prayer for all of you as well that we are a church 
that is known by our love for one another. In verse 2, he says, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So guys, I want us to stay in this vein of simplicity, okay? Remember, the context of these verses is for Timothy to be equipped to pastor the church at Ephesus. But don't dismiss them just thinking, well, I'm not pastoring a church. These don't apply. Well, that just wouldn't be true. We all have influence over people at home, at work, extracurricular activities, at church. And one of the beautiful things about God's family is we get to work this stuff out. We get to work the Bible out amongst fellow believers, amongst our family, that we can become well-equipped. We can become strong. We can make mistakes. We can be offered grace and mercy and understanding and patience. And then we get to do what? We get to take this good news out to a broken and dying world. This is an equipping place. And for right reason. The Bible says we're living stones, being built up a spiritual house. Guess what living stones do? They rub up on each other. And that's okay. Because if we can work out our difficulties here and learn how to be the men and women that God are calling us to be here and then take that equipping out into the world, come on. I mean, we'll be a wrecking ball for Jesus. And that's what he wants. So he says, number one, preach the word. If you become accustomed to preaching in your immediate sphere of influence, guess what? It'll be a whole lot easier to do it in the world. If your life is permeated by the word of God, meditation, processing, getting somebody in your life that you can get raw with, it will be a whole lot easier to do that in the world. But if you just don't ever exercise your beliefs openly and and vocalize them, then when you're sitting in the line at the grocery store and the Holy Spirit's like, you need to talk to that dude. You need to tell him right now about the good news of Jesus. You're like, oh, heck no. And you're terrified. But when it becomes a part of your spiritual DNA, and it's just what you do, when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to talk to that person, it's just who you are. I have tried to talk the way that I am right now, no matter where I am. No matter where I am. Like I said, I know where I've come from. And I know how bad I needed to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And I never ever had anybody just come up and tell me, you need Jesus. That never happened. Never, nobody ever came up to me and said, hey, I don't know if you know, but like, there is a God in heaven that loves you, that his son died for you, that he wants to spend eternity with you. I never had anybody come up and say that. Through all of the, the debauchery and just the nasty and vileness and wickedness I was in, I ended up in a Christian rehab facility, yes, with nothing. And I heard my very first Bible study. And at that moment, it's like Jesus pulled up a chair, sat right next to me and said, son, I love you and I want to be in your life. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But the thing is, I can, and I can look back on my life and I can see his faithfulness through all that time. And the protection, I can see all of it through all that time. But I just wonder sometimes, like, what would it have been like if somebody just came up and said, hey, there's a God in heaven that loves you, man, you know? 
Um, Because I never did not believe in Jesus. I never did not believe in God. I just liked my sin. I didn't like being told what to do. And that's just the reality. And so you want to be who you are at home and in church, no matter where you are. And that's a discipline. That's a discipline that you can develop. And you can start right here. You know, you can start at home. Number two, he says, patiently correct. Correction without compassion produces conflict. We all need correction. I love what David says in Psalm 141, verse 5. He says this, let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. The number one component to compassion, guys, is understanding. When we correct, it needs to be done patiently and with the heart to bring that person into God's presence because he alone has the power to change people. Number three, rebuke. I know we all hear this word, we get a little bit of a gut check. I know I do. I'm like, oh. Rebuke literally means to show someone they did something wrong. Now, I know when you hear rebuke, it's like, oh, man, I'm getting a spanking from Almighty through the hand of probably an instrument of his mercy on earth, and it never feels good. And it shouldn't. A rebuke is a course correction. But the reality is it's just to show something, somebody something that they've done wrong. But it has to come with a heart of love and a heart of reconciliation. So I'm going to tell you this. If you're a critical person, you need to be very careful before you step into that arena. The Lord's taught me a lot over the years about being critical and how to move away from having a critical spirit to a compassionate spirit to being Christ-like. Because I'll tell you this, by nature, I am hypercritical, hypercritical. I mean, and that's the thing about our spirituality. Like when we come to the Lord, we're on fire. We want to talk about him. And then all of a sudden we start settling in and we find a church and then we're reading the Bible. And then all of a sudden we see somebody doing something and now we're like sin sniffing. And, it's, and that's just not God's heart. But I think there's a reality to just the progression of our walk where we do go through this period of being critical of other people and sin and other lifestyles. But God wants to grow you through that into being compassionate and to being Christ-like. Don't hang out in critical. You know why? Critical people are not approachable people. They're not. If you have somebody that you know that's critical, you're not coming to them. You're not going to them with information. You're definitely not going to them for guidance. They're just going to pick you apart. You know what compassionate people are? Approachable. You know those compassionate ones. I got, I got a, a man in my head right now that like I just want to go to him because I know he's just got a deep level of compassion. And a lot of times compassion just means listening. You don't even have to afford any guidance. Sometimes people just need you to listen, Right? And then on the other side of compassion, it's something that God showed me was Christ-like. And people who are Christ-like are gravitational. They are gravitational. Like you just can't help to just want to be right in their presence and just hang out with them. And I love you, man. It's just refreshing. You don't have to worry about anything. The cares of the world just melt away because they're Christ-like. I have, an, I have a man in mind when I think about this too. I want to be that man. I want, to be, I want to be Christ-like. I want to exhibit Christ's love to people. 
Move out, of, move out of being critical, guys. And I'm only telling you this because this is my default tendency. And I have OCD. Give me a break. I have OCD. And then, and then you put a bunch of Bible knowledge in me with OCD? Yeah, I'll wear you out. I will wear you out. It's just the truth. And so, and that's one of the things I love about the Lord, right? When he was on earth, people just wanted to be next to him just really wanted to be next to him. I mean, think about the lady that was just like, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And that faith drew on God's power, right? I saw something recently and it said, uh, if you only have one thread left to hang on to, make it Jesus's garment. I was like, that's awesome. That's so good. Number four, he says, encourage your people with good teaching. Like I said, we all have influence, and guess what? We all got people. We all got people. Like, you don't need to be pastoring a church to have people, right? And if your teaching is rooted in God's Word, guess what? It's good. Simple, guys. This is simple stuff. Powerful stuff. And you guys know how blessed we are to be under Pastor Ed. I mean, that man is unapologetically a Bible teacher, and we need it. I know that I am not the man of God today. I would not be the man of God I am today without being under Pastor Ed's teacher for almost the last 11 years. And it's just the truth. It's a huge blessing. Why? Well, check out verses three and four. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They are going to follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. For a time is coming. Well, guess what, y'all? It's here. Yep, we're here. Like, he was talking about a time coming. Well, we're here. I mean, we're in the age of YouTube preachers, social media influencers, and myth propagators. You literally, because of technology and the internet and social media, you can find anybody to scratch your itching ears, no matter what your belief system is. But you want to know what we are? Y'all ready? We're Bible teachers, social media redeemers, and myth busters. Come on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? That's what we are, straight up. And here's the thing about social media. I am not getting on a soapbox. Promise. Social media should be designed to give glory to God. I'm going to be transparent with y'all for a second. I'm a transparent man because transparency is safe. My wife has been off social media for almost two years. You want to know why? She could not handle seeing people that she loved biting and devouring each other on social media. I'm talking about Christians, y'all. It's just the truth. Like, social media should be a platform. Spread the good news, man. Show pictures, trips. Be loving and kind. Be biting and devouring one another. That's actually in the Bible. It says don't do that. Like I said, it's not complicated. Mythbusters. We have the secrets. Listen to this. We have the secrets of the universe inside of our heart. How many of y'all were searching for the answers to life before you got saved? I know I was. 
I always had something going on in my heart too. And I was, I would get these visions and things and I'm like, I don't know what that means. May I'll be a rock star one day or something. I literally thought I was going to be a rock star one day. Um, and so, so, but now I know looking back what God was doing, he was, he was drawing me into his presence. And so, so when it comes to what God has gifted us with the power of the Holy Spirit, he's literally given us the mysteries of the universe. Like think about what you guys have inside of you. Like you have this book, which literally holds everything about who God is and how much he loves you and loves the world. And you get to put this inside of you and then you get to go out on a mission field. Like, why would you not want to be in this every day? Like, if you know this is really the word of God and that it's true through and through, why would you not want to be this every day? Man, I just really, I just really want to hear from the, the Lord. I just, I really have this desire to hear from the Lord. When's the last time you opened your Bible? It's that easy. Just open a Bible. You can even do the gravity technique where you like drop the Bible and it opens up. It could be Leviticus 29, 18 for all I care. Still hearing from the Lord. It's just the truth. Look what it says in verse five. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. But you a clear separation between them and us. They are going to follow their own desires. They are going to reject the truth. They will follow after myths. But us? We should keep a clear mind in every situation. Guys, that means remove anything that makes your mind foggy. YouTube make your mind foggy? Get rid of it. Social media make your mind foggy? Get rid of it. How about this one? How about the news? I haven't watched the news in almost 11 years. Know what I'm saying? I'll tell you a quick story. In my career, I spent a lot of time with homeowners. And I was in the living room with a husband and a wife, finalizing some things and they had Fox on the television. I have not watched the news in almost 11 years. That is true. When I got saved, well, first off, the news wasn't even allowed to be on in the rehab facility that I was in, and it was a Bible-based rehab facility, praise God. Um, but even when I got out of rehab and started attending this church and really started my walk, like, I was like, I'm just, I, I'm just, I just want the Bible, and I just want to learn how to take care of my kids. I want to learn how to be a good employee and a good servant and a good friend. Um, so I just, I just cut the news out. So the news is on, and there is stuff just popping off on the news. And I literally, I, this is what it does to me. It just sucked me right in. And before you knew it, I was on a soapbox in these people's living room. Straight up. And, like, and then I realized what I was doing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. This is why I don't watch the news. If the news messes you guys up, you don't need it. You don't need it. So I'm very selective. I have a couple of guys that I follow that are very objective thinkers. But the, the truth is, I actually get my news from my wife. She's the only person I know on the planet Earth that can read, watch the news, what it was. She doesn't watch it. She just reads it and not let it like throw her into left field. And like even when like all the COVID stuff was happening and the mask mandates and stuff, like she would debrief with me and tell me like what I needed to be doing so I could go out and live my life. I'm like, okay, thanks, babe. I got it. She's like my battle strategist. I just don't watch the news. If the news messes you up, don't watch it. If anything messes you up, don't watch it. Don't read it. Because 
I'm going to blow your minds right now. You know what gives you a clear mind? The Bible. Imagine that. Whoa. I am so rooted in the Word of God. Like, you can be rooted in the Word of God and look outside, and you just know. You know what's going on. He's, and you have the power of the Spirit. And the, the Bible says the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You got Him inside of you. Why do you need, you don't need any of that. Because the Bible, I mean, the news messes people up, man. It just does. So, and something that I really, really, really love about the Bible, something the Bible does that is super powerful, is it gives you the right perspective. It gives you God's perspective. It, it, it teaches you to allow God to define the terms, no matter what those terms are. So your perspective is the lens in which you view the external. That's your perspective, okay? Your perception is how you are internalizing that which you are viewing, all right? What is our perspective? The lens of faith. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Most of us know that verse is we live by faith and not by sight in the New King James. But I love how it says it in NLT. We live by believing and not by seeing. We have to have the right perspective when we look out into the darkness of this world. We're salt and light. The Bible gives you the right perspective. It goes on in verse 5 to say, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Oof, that's a hard one. But we know in faith and because of God's word that the purpose of pain is purification. I mean, I know most of you in this room. And I can look around this room and see testimony after testimony after testimony of deep pain. Even our pastor and his family gone through tremendous loss. My best friend, just days into a tremendous loss. Pain is a purifying agent, guys but we have to be at the foot of the cross and we have to have the right perspective or we are going to miss it. Because at the same time that I've seen and I can see all of the pain in this room, you know what else I see? God's faithfulness. Testimony after testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. Men and women that are on the other side of pain that are so strong in the Lord. And a lot of that has to do with you guys and this church and our pastor and his family and being under solid teaching. It's incredible. Because we are part of a family unlike any other on earth. And I want that for the lost. I needed that when I was lost. My wife and I are also living in such a testimony. I mean, we have... We have not one, but two prodigal babies. I mean, and there's a lot of you in this room that know them. Our son Dylan and our daughter Athena. At one time, we're actively serving in this church. We haven't seen our son in over two years. We haven't seen our daughter in over a year. Not a peep. Not a peep. We're, in, we're just in, in waiting, praying, and hoping mode. That's where we are. 
but we're in a good place. We have a tremendous amount of strength in the Lord because, and this didn't start two years ago. This actually started like almost five years ago, but through that whole time where the enemy really had sought to divide my wife and I, and, and he's, the enemy is a punk. Because here's the reality. If he can't get you and he can't get your wife, he's going to go after your kids. He doesn't play fair. And that's exactly what he did. And unfortunately, they are making decisions that are not honoring the Lord right now, and they're not in our lives, right? But as the enemy was attacking us, April and I were moving towards the Lord and therefore moving towards each other, and we got stronger and stronger and stronger. And a lot of that also has to do with you guys and being a part of a family that just is there and will listen and will offer encouragement and will come over and just, I mean, just be a family. Like, guys, don't take this family for granted, like, what we have here in this room, and by extension online in Grace FM, is precious. It is precious. And here's the thing, through this difficulty, we have learned so much about the Father heart of God. And you want to know what the main lesson we got is? He's long-suffering. He's long-suffering. I mean, he waited 30 years for me. Now, I know on his radar, that's like a blip, but he's that intimate that he waited because it wasn't a blip to me. Oh, I promise you, 30 years was hard. I lived all those years. And, you know, being saved now for over 10 years and the amount of redemption and restoration and family and everything that we've experienced has just been absolutely incredible. And so this is why I believe, this is, look at what Paul ends this verse with Timothy, to Timothy. He says, so work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So now, the thing you have to see here, don't miss this, our ministry, our mission is not complete without evangelism. It's not complete without evangelism. Because when I read work at telling others the good news, it means that evangelism is a spiritual discipline, like Bible study and prayer. And even though we might have the gift of evangelism, it's still a command from God. And we know that with every command given, he also freely gives the power to accomplish it. But it all hinges on obedience. So if we work out in our local sphere of influence, in the church, in our homes, what Paul told Timothy in verse 2, preach the word, patiently get each other into the presence of the Lord, show each other in love when we have done something wrong, and encourage our people with good teaching, it is going to help us to develop the discipline needed to go out and be the beautiful messengers that bring the good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. So I want to leave you guys with something tonight. It is a simple acrostic. And when I say simple, I literally mean it's the word simple. I love me some acrostics. It's just a cool way to remember things that you can kind of go back to and be like, okay, what was that that he said about the simple life in Christ? Well, check this out. So the word simple, I'm going to give you each word that starts with each letter. So S, study. We have to be rooted in God's word. Like I said, it gives us the right perspective. The letter I intercede. We have to be in prayer for a broken and dying world. You know what it does? It creates an urgency in us. and makes us sensitive to the Spirit for when those opportunities come to talk about the Lord. M, we have to meditate. 
You guys just don't read the Bible. You got to chew on it. Like I said, something you need in your life, something that is super powerful to have in your life, is, is somebody to really process the things of the Lord with, right? That, that true koinonia, you know, to be real and raw and open with. Those people are powerful. And to live your life and let that Bible, let the word permeate your spiritual DNA. M, or sorry, P, prepare. Prepare. We have to always be prepared for an opportunity to share. Always be prepared for an opportunity to share. L, love. We have to be Christ-like and exhibit his love. I mean, come on, guys. He died so we could live. Why are we so afraid about saying his name out loud? I bet you all know what E is. Evangelize. We have to do the work of an evangelist. We have to be God's beautiful messengers. Amen? All right, if the worship team would uh, come back up, I want to do something, guys. And um, if you've been stirred tonight and you're just like, you know what, man? I just, I would just love to just have that courage and that boldness in my faith to just talk about the Lord. Um, I want you all to come up here and I want to pray for you guys. And myself included. And don't be ashamed. This is our family, guys. But I literally, if you're like, you know what? I really, really just want a fresh anointing of his spirit. And, and I just really want to be a man or a woman who's obedient to God's word and, and really does the work of an evangelist. Come on up here because I want to I pray for us. Uh, the world is in a, just a really crazy place. Uh, we are in a position of victory already. Amen. And because we're in a position of victory, guess what? We're fighting from defense. Our posture is defensive, right? And so I want you guys to come up and pray for you guys and, uh, and just, really, just really do some work here. I mean, I don't know about you. I believe we're in the last days. I believe we're the, the, we're the generation getting raptured. Amen? So I'll wait for you guys for a minute to come up and, and we'll pray. I just, I love you guys so much. It's been such an honor to, uh, to be here and to be able to teach you guys and do something I'm very passionate about. And so, all right, that's what I'm talking about, guys. All right, so Lord, uh, and for those of you that are in the crowd, reach out your hands. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, We thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you that it is alive and and that we can trust your word. We can have confidence in your word. Uh, And Father, I pray that you would would give us a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit, that you would pour your Holy Spirit on us tonight, right now, and and that we would have that power, the power to go out to to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel but we would know that it has power to transform lives. And every one of the pers- people that are up here at this stage ha- have witnessed that power. And so, Father, I pray that they would, they would go forth with power tonight and, and in the ensuing days, weeks, months, and years. And, and again, Lord, I thank you so much for, uh, for the opportunity to share uh, to your church. And I do not take it lightly. Uh, and Father, we just, we love you so much. Uh, I thank you for those that have stepped up here in obedience and that we would be known as men and women of obedience, that we'd have the love uh, that, uh, that proves that we are your disciples. So Father, we pray these things in faith and in love and in Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. 
for prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.